Thank you for listening to the Calvary Monterey podcast. Please visit calvary.com to learn more about our church. And visit nateholdridge.com for additional Bible teaching from our lead pastor, Nate Holdridge. Teaching today is our youth pastor, Joshua Scheifer. Hey church, uh, welcome to Tuesday Night Bible Study. My name is Joshua Shively. I'm the youth pastor here at Calvary. If I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you or introducing myself, uh, hi, how's it going? Uh, you know, this is always a blessing whenever Nate kind of allows one of us pastors, asks one of us pastors to teach kind of from this pulpit. I'm always humbled. I'm always just kind of uh, sobered inside, as it were, because I know how much time Nate uh, takes to, to prepare these word, the word and these sermons. And so it's always a blessing to do this. Um, but for this week, we're actually taking a break from uh, Nate's teachings in the Old Testament, just with all the good Friday teaching and Easter and all the preparation and recordings for that. Uh, I get to step in and I get to teach for this Tuesday night study. So I'm excited about it. I hope you are too. Uh, hopefully in this season of life, as we are, you know, the next Bible study after Easter, hopefully you had some just time with the Lord, some reflection, some conviction as we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, one of the milestones, one of the foundational points of what it means to be a Christian. Um, and really that's my heart today, that as we enter into this Tuesday, as we sit down for this Tuesday night Bible study, um, as we open up to the book of Romans, actually we're going to study from Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, that you and I and whoever else is going to listen to this teaching um, would just continue to reflect what it means to be a Christian, uh, those foundational points and just um, cornerstones that build what it means to walk by faith, what it means to trust Jesus in this world and in this time and in this season of life, and really wherever you find yourself. Um, whether you're a new Christian, whether you've been a Christian for decades, whether you're young or old, wherever you find yourself today, um, this thing called Christianity, this thing that we walk by um, in faith each and every day, uh, it continually requires motion, right? It, re- it continually requires us to grow, to mature, to, to be humbled, to be broken, to be convicted, um, to continue to believe in Jesus, to walk by that faith, to continue to repent from sin, our flesh, just our daily habits, the things that we struggle with. And so as we kind of get into this teaching today, that's really my hope is that uh, we just continue in that heart. That again, hopefully you had that kind of reflection and just that that moment of, of just remembering that Jesus rose from the dead, that our Savior is not in the ground, and that as we come together today, that you continue in that, that walking forward, walking down that path, being led by the Spirit uh, in this thing called Christianity. And so I'm excited about today's teaching. I love the book of Romans. Probably within this Bible of mine, it has the most uh, highlights and underlines and different colors and that. So let's get into it. I'm going to pray. And while I pray, church, go ahead and turn to Romans chapter 12. We're going to go over verses 1 and 2 today. So Father, I thank you again just for what you are doing in us and through us as we just enter into this time of study. God, we thank you for this midweek study that whoever is watching these videos, going through uh, the Old Testament with Pastor Nate, can just take a moment as we open up to the book of Romans that they would see what Paul is trying to communicate to the Christians in Rome and really what your spirit wants to communicate to us today some 2,000 years later. Jesus, you're so good, and we just thank you for uh, Easter, getting to celebrate your resurrection. Thank you that you're not just a Savior, uh, just a Messiah that was left in the ground, but that you conquered death. 
and that now we get to continue to celebrate that. It's not just one day a year that we celebrate Easter, but it's, it's all year. We celebrate your resurrection. We celebrate everything you did, and we just thank you for that. And so, Lord, we come before you right now just thanking you and praising you, offering this to you. Look past my inadequacies, my sins, my failures as a man, and let your spirit speak to whoever's listening to this study. And, Lord, we praise you. We worship you. This is for your glory. In your name, amen. All right, church, well, hopefully you're there. Romans chapter 12, follow along with me, starting in verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Now, again, like I said, I want to kind of continue the thought, the heart from Easter. And so kind of picking this verse or the Lord led me to this verse um, and really the pinnacle of it or what we're going to focus on a lot today is that living sacrifice. You know, the fact is this is a fundamental truth of what it means to be a Christian. Um, And even more than that, Jesus uh, exemplified and showed us this by himself being a living sacrifice, by laying himself out, sacrificing as it were, um, being the ultimate sacrifice for all of mankind's sin uh, as as he put himself on the cross, and then actually defying and beating death as he rose from the dead, kind of, in a sense, giving us that example of what we are to live and how we're to live as that living sacrifice. Now, if you look at these two verses, really these are probably some of the most important verses we find in the whole New Testament. It contains more key theological terms and truth for its size than perhaps any other scriptures. You just look at these two verses. At this point in the book of Romans, Paul has actually completed his explanation of sin, salvation, sanctification, and sovereignty. So now he explains to the Roman believers, and I believe to us today as we continue on, uh, what the Holy Spirit is now doing in our lives. Um, He urges the Roman believers and us to act on the truth they have received, okay? So basically, this truth translates for us into a trust. I really believe it, it translates into a trust. And basically, how us as Christians are to trust the salvation of Jesus, we're to trust the process of repentance, we're to trust that the Holy Spirit is now living within us and that is continuing to do a work within us. Once we receive this beautiful truth as Christians, um, the fact that our Savior is no longer in the grave, but sits at the right hand of the Father, um, once we receive the truth that the Holy Spirit is actually living within us each and every day, doing a work even when you and I aren't feeling that work, um, we have to continue to understand that that trust then translates into growth. It translates into maturity. It translates into, in a sense, this this work of the Spirit doing um, a, a... a change in you and I. See, we must continue to grow and mature in Jesus, Christians. This is a fundamental truth of what it means to walk by faith is this continual growth. Because the fact is that this thing called Christianity, it never stands still. That you, we can't be motionless within our faith. And I believe this is Paul's heart as he writes this to the Roman church. And really, this is my heart to you today as we go through these, this text, this scripture, is that you would continue to move forward. Maybe some of us are taking great strides right now. Maybe some of us are on a sprint uh, or in some type of power walk, or maybe you're just in a season where you're just taking baby steps. But the fact is, Christians, we are continuing to grow. We are continuing to mature. That spirit is never resting within us, and it's always urging us to a place of trusting Jesus so that, that 
we can continue to be a light. We can continue to be that, in a sense, that living sacrifice uh, as we live this life right here and right now. Maybe as we read those couple of verses, as I'm kind of starting this sermon, you're in a sense going back to, man, when you first accepted Jesus. I think that's one of the absolute greatest things about being a youth pastor is getting to watch a young person accept Jesus, uh, most likely get baptized, and then kind of start this faith off, start to own Christianity on their, in, in, within their own lives. Um, where they're no longer just calling themselves a Christian because they go to church, or they, they no longer call themselves a Christian because their parents are Christians, um, but they're calling themselves a Christian because they believe in Jesus, because they start to understand the, the truth of Jesus on the cross and Jesus dying and resurrecting. They start to understand the working of the Spirit in their life. And even though it may be small faith, it may be kind of the start of a faith and the, 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 in a sense the budding of that great oak tree as it's growing right within them a faith, uh, it's still this, this trust that just kind of starts within them. And I, I love that part of being a youth pastor because I get to watch that. And now doing this for as long as I have, I, I now, you know, young men and women that I was youth pastoring to, you know, 15 years ago are now married and they have kids and they're serving in ministry, you know. And it's, it's crazy to see. It's awesome that that little bud, you know, of faith that started in their teens is now a, a full-grown tree. It's producing fruit. It's, it's now, in a sense, they're, they're sharing their faith with their children or maybe even a youth ministry within their church. Uh, and this is, this is how Christianity works. This is how faith works. This is how we move and we grow. And so as we continue in this and can we kind of break down this scripture, again, my hope for you, even for myself, is that daily we would just continue to move forward uh, closer to Jesus, more in faith, more trusting him each and every day. So as Paul starts this, my, my first kind of point, the thing I want to pull out of this is, he, Paul says, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. So what does Paul mean by this? What does, he, what does he want us to glean from this? And I really think kind of my first point today is, trust in Jesus is a denial and death to self. Trust in Jesus is a denial and death and self. If you look at that term living sacrifice, or even just focus in a little bit more on sacrifice, we go back to the Old Testament, we go back to that terminology and, and really what the, the Jewish people, what the Israelites would sacrifice to God. Now, if you think about it, it was on uh, some type of sacrificial table or altar, usually a, a large wooden or stone slab, and they would lay this sacrifice on the table, and it was usually an ox or a lamb or some type of animal. Uh, and if you think about it, they never asked that animal hey, is this okay? <laughs> is it all right that we're laying you on this sacrificial slab? Is this okay that we're going to spill your blood and, and in a sense, offer you to God? The, the animal, the sacrifice, had no option. Their, their hands or their hooves were tied. They were laid down against their will, uh, and, and then they were given up to God. They were sacrificed to God, uh, usually to atone for sin, to offer up the first fruits or the first of the labor, in a sense, to honor God, give glory to him. And so as Paul lays out this living sacrifice, I really believe he's even gleaning from Jesus' words in the New Testament, in the Gospels, as Jesus, in a sense, conveyed to you and I as Christians, and uh, those first century Christians, what it meant to be a Christian, what it meant to follow Jesus, what it meant to be a living sacrifice. Luke chapter 9, verse 22 through 24 says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, 
Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. So as Paul lays this out, this living sacrifice, we look at Jesus, not just his example to us, but even the way he, he explained this following after him, this, this type of lifestyle that he was, in a sense, offering to people then and now, it, it kind of narrowed down on this sacrificial love. It narrowed down on the sacrificial giving of self. I mean, Jesus says to take up your cross. Now, I know this is fundamental, and if you've walked in the church, you've heard this example, but the cross was nothing of beauty to the first century. It was Romans' way of, in a sense, beating down and oppressing the people that they, that they conquered. It was, it was a torture device. It was, it was, we, we use an example of the electric chair you know, in our modern-day vernacular, but the fact is it was even more than that. The body would be left on there, that cross uh, to decay and rot so that people knew that if I disobey Rome, if I come up against it, that's going to be me. That's going to be my wife. That's going to be my children. Um, that is, the cross is nothing that I want anything part of. I don't. You wouldn't want it if we lived in first century. But see, Jesus is saying here, using this, this example of the cross, because one, he would be nailed to the cross, but also to show us as Christians that this thing called Christianity, as we, as we continue to grow in faith, to trust Jesus, it starts with a self-denial and a death that, that you and I can't do on our own. Now, as Paul lays out these verses, as he says here, you know, in a sense, uh, I urge you, right? He says, I urge you, or I appeal to you, therefore, to, to be this living sacrifice. This is, in every essence, he's saying, I want you to trust the Holy Spirit within your life. I want you to trust what the Holy Spirit's doing within you. I don't know about you, whoever's listening to this or watching this video, I can't deny myself or, or die to myself in my own flesh. I can't do it on my own. I mean, I don't know about you. Maybe you're a stronger Christian than me. You, you walk more in faith and, and by the Holy Spirit. But man, in, in my own life, by Joshua Shively, if I'm trying to build my kingdom, trying to make it my way, trying to, to do what I want, Man, that's where the flesh comes out. That's where I can't deny self. That's where I can't die to self. But see, as I look to Jesus, as we're coming off of Easter, and he rose from the dead, he ascended to heaven and sent the Holy Spirit, this is where you and I walk as Christians in that faith, trusting the Holy Spirit to, to work in us so that we can deny, so that we can choose death for self. Because in my flesh, I'll never walk to the cross. In my flesh, I'll never walk in the same footsteps as Jesus, being a living sacrifice. So as we walk in this way, as we trust Jesus in this way, um, we can look at our own life and we can kind of pick uh, and we can kind of look and examine areas that we choose to do things outside of God's will or we choose to do things in the flesh. I would encourage you, Christian, to, to look at your life, examine your life and go, where am I, in a sense, going beyond where God wants me to go? Where am I taking steps of flesh, taking steps away from faith or outside of the Holy Spirit's work in my life? To, to, in a sense, build my kingdom, Josh's kingdom? And where am I taking steps of faith? Where am I allowing the Holy Spirit to work so that I'm denying self, so that I'm moving closer to Jesus? Because in one way or the other, when we contrast those two, one, we are being a living sacrifice. The other one, we're not. The other one, we're not. Now, this is the mercies of God, you guys. Um, again, as we walk in this way, 
as we talk in this way, as we call ourselves Christians, each and every day we have to walk in those mercies of God. This is, again, the working of the Holy Spirit in us. This is God doing that work. And see, as Christians, and I think as just humans, as we look to Jesus to, to live this life as he's calling us to, um, if we're not walking by the mercies of God, we're just, we're just walking in a sense as this social club. <laughs> we're no longer walking in the spirit. We're no longer walking in that light that Jesus is calling us to. And so as Paul kind of starts this little section, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as living sacrifices, um, again, we just start with, with this denial and death to self. Now, number two, you guys, as we continue on in verse one, he says, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, this brings me to a second point where trust in Jesus urges us to pursue holiness. Trust in Jesus urges us to pursue holiness. Okay? Now, we can see this call to holiness all through the New Testament. Right? Paul writes about it many, many times. Uh, a couple verses that just show this call to holiness as Christians. Uh, 2 Corinthians 7, verse 1. Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of the body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 24 says, And to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. 1 Thessalonians 4, 7 says, For God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. Okay? Now, as Paul writes these out, I believe this is a constant call for you and I as Christians. As we continue to mature, move forward, grow, we have to continue to take steps that, that in a sense, we pursue or we draw closer to holiness and away from impurity, away from sin, away from flesh. Now, this term holiness, just to kind of make it easy and to break it down, it's to be set apart. It's to be set apart. We use the term holy, that God is holy, because he is set apart from us. God is holy. He is fully righteous. He is pure. He is perfect. So perfection cannot have interaction with imperfection. As soon as imperfection touches perfection, what happens? It becomes imperfect. And so God has to stay separate from us. He has to stay holy. He has to stay set apart. Now, we as Christians, right, we, we understand the truth that, that as humanity, we are not holy. <laughs> we are not set apart. We are covered by sin. We, we were born with it. We have a sin nature that, in a sense, separates us from God. But as we grow as Christians, we come to this place, as Paul says here, acceptable to God, which is spiritual worship, right? Holy and acceptable to God, which is spiritual worship. We now trust as Christians that that Holy Spirit is working within us. We've accepted Jesus for his death on the cross, his raising from the dead. We've repented from our sins. And we believe, we trust, right? We trust in faith that we are now covered with the blood and the sacrifice of Jesus, which now makes us holy. Right? The, the Christian ease of this, the understanding is that when God looks upon us, he no longer sees sin, but he sees Jesus. He sees the covering of Jesus upon us. This is such a truth that we forget as Christians that you know, as we kind of walk through life, as we kind of dirty ourselves with our own flesh or sin or habits or things that we struggle with, and we forget that God looks upon us not with shame, not with condemnation, but because of Jesus, because of what he did and, and why he did it and how he did it, you and I are no longer covered in that shame. We are no longer covered in that condemnation, but we are covered with Jesus. And this is a beautiful truth. And I love the fact that, that no matter how bad I can mess things up in my flesh, no matter how, how, how wrong I can do somebody, 
or how, how impatient I can be with even God's way and where I try to take my own way, God is not condemning me. He is not, in a sense, uh, looking upon me with shame. But see, as Paul writes this, now there's, in a sense, a responsibility on us because we've accepted Jesus. We've repented from sin. We want to continue to mature. The Holy Spirit is in us, convicting us and moving and shaping us. And so Paul is saying that, and again, he's urging us to walk in holiness because this is acceptable before God and it's actually a form of worship. When you and I as Christians are living in a place where we are pursuing holiness, which is one of the greatest pursuits that we can, we can do as Christians and have as Christians in this life to pursue holiness, the fact is like this is worship to God. Sometimes in, in today's world, we can get kind of caught up with, with um, in a sense, our, our own ways or emotionalism or kind of my pursuit of wellness. And we get caught up in this, this mindset that, well, my betterment is, is actually above the pursuit of holiness or my emotions or my feelings or, or my, my, in a sense, interpretation of the way my life should be is above the pursuit of holiness. Where Christians, I think our priority needs to be, no, the pursuit of holiness needs to be on the top of our daily walk as Christians. In this walk of faith and trusting Jesus, I think the pursuit of holiness needs to be something that you and I, uh, in a sense, pursue like, like it's, it's, it's salvation, like it's gold, like it's, it's worth everything to you and I. This pursuit of holiness, Paul wants us to understand that it's actually worship before God. You know, we, we sing songs, we come to church, and we, 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 we kind of know the routine of, of you know, our, our modern day church and the way it works. But see, how often do we think when I pursue holiness over flesh or holiness over sin or, or, or holiness over my own way, that that's actually worship to God, that he sees that as, as praise to him because I'm pursuing something that's outside of my nature, right? I'm pursuing something that's within God's nature, that the Holy Spirit is urging me to do rather than my own flesh, my own way. This is such a cool truth. And, and I, I, even as I was studying this and kind of walking through this, I know in my own life, I can look and I can understand and kind of examine areas that I pursue impurity rather than holiness, right? I pursue, in a sense, as Paul says, the defilement of the body, right, rather than holiness. But see, I want to praise God. I want to worship God in every way of my life. I, I desire that. I truly do. And I hope you do too as a, as a maturing and walking Christian each and every day, that you would desire to worship God in all that you do, whether it's loving my wife and, and cherishing her and, and lifting her up before the Lord and giving her, in a sense, all the support that she needs, whether it's showing my kids the love and the, the sacrifice and the absolute cherishness of God, like how much he loves them, whether it's the ministry God's put in front of me. You see, if I pursue holiness in those things, if I pursue this place of, of, of being set apart, the fact is that I'm actually worshiping God in all those ways. And so I just think Paul is continuing to encourage us as we've, we've now, in a sense, again, looked to Jesus, we've accepted him, and now we're maturing and growing as Christians. In the next part, in verse 2, Paul continues with this as he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now, when I bring this up to, to young Christians, you know, high schoolers for the most part, I kind of give them this idea that, that to conform to this world. Uh, if you think about it, there's, you know, if you ever played with Play-Doh before, if you have kids, they play with Play-Doh. 
And there's these forms, you know, there's these, you can, you know, maybe they're like little men or in a sense they're shapes and you cram that Play-Doh into that form and then you kind of peel it out and it keeps the shape of whatever that form was. That's what this idea is of being conformed to the world. In a sense, you are being crammed into a mold to walk a certain way, talk a certain way, think a certain way, believe a certain way, um, have, have a certain ideologies and, and worldviews that fit that form. And then you're being peeled out and you keep that form. And that's what Paul's saying. Do not be conformed to the world. Do not be pushed into this mold that, that kind of shapes and defines who you are, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. What Paul here is doing as he's urging these these Christians in Rome, and as we read this today, is encouraging us not to be conformed to this, this identity that the world says that you need to be, but allow the Holy Spirit to transform your mind, to renew your mind. I really believe, especially with all my years of youth ministry, that the mind is where, really where it starts. It's really where, in a sense, ideas and identity and, and ideology and theologies really start within somebody's worldview is when they're implanted in the mind. I really believe this, that the mind is a powerful thing. I encourage young Christians to, to watch, like, like be mindful of what you're watching on TV and, and social media. What are you allowing into your mind? What kind of music are you listening to? Uh, what kind of celebrities or, in a sense, um, you know, like elites are you listening to? What are you allowing to pour into your mind? And I can watch and I can give you examples of, of high schoolers that were allowing the wrong things to be poured into their mind. And in a sense, that transformed them. That's what they were conformed to. But see, as we look to Jesus, as we walk and mature as Christians, that we allow that Holy Spirit and we, 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 in a sense, are open to the Holy Spirit, transforming and renewing our minds, you and I are transformed into something else. And this really brings me to my third point, which is trust in Jesus allows us to experience true freedom. Trust in Jesus allows us to experience true freedom. And the reason I say that is because when we allow ourselves to be conformed to the world, pushed into that Play-Doh mold, there's no freedom in that. There's not. There's a very, and if you look at it, a lot of the worldviews of today, whether it's sexuality, whether it's, it's, it's politics, whether it's, in a sense, whatever worldview, whether it's communism, socialism, whatever it is, when you're pushed into that mold, there's very strict rules. <laughs> there's very strict, uh, like, in a sense, guidelines of the way you're supposed to be and act and talk and think within that mold. But see, the true freedom comes with Jesus because he's not pushing us into a mold. There's no two Christians the same. There's not. Just walk around our church on a Sunday and just see how different everybody is. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus. That's the beautiful thing about the body of Christ is it accepts every race, every, like not, well, every, like not every belief, sorry, but every race, every gender, it accepts people where they are and brings them in with salvation and then, and then transforms them by the renewing of their mind. It's not this conforming, but it's transforming. And that's a beautiful freedom that we have in Christ. Philippians, Philippians chapter four, verse eight says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's anything excellent, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This verse here, I give to students when they're struggling with things in the mind, when they're struggling with, with maybe images or, or things that they've really allowed within their mind. I give them this verse because Paul lays out things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, 
things that are praiseworthy to think about these things. Now, if you were just to break down this verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, the fact is those things, if you and I meditated on just those types of things for an entire day, think of how peaceful your sleep would be that night. See, it's when we lay down at nighttime, we, we start to fall asleep, that our mind starts kind of unwinding the day, and we go back to maybe a confrontation we had with somebody that didn't end very well. Maybe it was a stressful situation. Maybe there was something that happened that day. Maybe you told a white lie or you cheated something somewhere. And our mind starts breaking those things down. And as Christians, we start struggling with those things. Right? I don't know about you, but I do. I, I lay there and the Holy Spirit starts convicting me. Yeah, you were wrong to that person. You need to apologize. Like you need to repent for that sin. Yeah, that was kind of, that was an exaggeration, Josh. Maybe it was, a, it was closer to a white lie or a lie, Josh. Like, you need to repent from that. But see, if I were to spend an entire day thinking on what is true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, and praiseworthy, I could go to bed just saying, God, thank you for today. Like, thank you that I, I walked, in a sense, the spirit rather than the flesh. Now, this is just an example, but in a sense, what I'm, what I'm trying to understand is the freedom that comes with letting the Lord, letting the Holy Spirit transform and renew our minds. There's a freedom in that. When we look at the world and we look at what the world has to offer, you're being conformed into a mold, not into true freedom with Jesus, with the Holy Spirit working in you. This is a fundamental truth. This is a fact and, and really a, a foundation that we need to lay at as we continue to mature as Christians. Our mind is a powerful thing. Our mind is this amazing thing that God made. We need to continue to allow the Holy Spirit to transform it and to renew it rather than to let the world, in a sense, conform it to its image. Now, kind of in a conclusion, guys, finishing the second part of verse 2, he says that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Right? That by testing you may discern the will of God. This brings me to my fourth point your trust in Jesus is strong enough to be tested. Your trust in Jesus is strong enough to be tested. Earlier on in chapter 8 of Romans, verse 37, Paul says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, we have to have the, the trust, the truth, the faith that nothing will ever separate you from God. And so as you grow and mature as a Christian, as you, in a sense, push against the world, as you trust and you, you take steps of faith, we need to know that, that the testing of our faith, it, 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 it's that faith in Jesus is actually strong enough to be tested. There's many things in this world, there's many worldviews that I believe that once they're tested, um, once they're pushed against or facts are shown against it, they crumble. I think there's many worldviews that many ideology and theologies out there that when they're tested, they crumble because their foundations are not built on truth. But see, we as Christians can, can walk in the faith and the trust that when we're tested, when our faith is tested, that it will not crumble because we are built, our faith is built on a foundation of truth. I believe that. I hope you do too. See, as we look and again, kind of remember Easter, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, those are, are huge. They, they have to be. I don't know if you've ever heard this before. I hope, hopefully you have that if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then you and I have no reason to be Christians. If he didn't raise from the dead, if our savior was still in the ground somewhere in Israel, the fact is you and I would have no reason to be a Christian. 
But yet we preach this, we live by this, we have faith in this, that Jesus rose from the dead. And see, we tell a world this, that no, actually our Savior, the foundation of our faith, the foundation of where we believe all salvation comes from in Jesus, he actually rose from the dead. And see, the world will look at that and go, nah, you can't believe that. You can't really believe that he rose from the dead, that he was actually dead and there was no life in him. And then he had life and he rose from the dead. And see, we as Christians, we go, no, actually, we do believe that. We do believe that our Savior rose from the dead and didn't just leave us by ascending to heaven, but actually sent his spirit to live within us so that the power we walk by, the faith that we walk by, as we grow and we mature, as we allow the world to not conform us, but we allow our minds to be transformed, as we walk in a place of of holiness, pursuing it each and every day, as we deny ourselves and do not walk in, in the flesh, but we walk in a place of death to the flesh. The fact is it's the work of the Holy Spirit within us. And we trust that. And so when the world pushes against that, when it's tested, you and I can stand there firm saying, no, it's, it's not going to crumble. Jesus didn't crumble. Right? Our faith didn't crumble. The Holy Spirit within us is the Spirit of God. There's power in that, and that's not going to fall. That's not going to crumble. And so church, as we break this down, I just hope these two verses, in a sense, continue on that, that reminiscing, that remembering of Jesus' resurrection that, that that's just one day of the year that we, we come together and we celebrate Easter, but we need to remember that each and every day. And that when he ascended, he sent his Holy Spirit to us so that we can walk in the way that Paul is urging the Christians in Rome to walk. We can walk in the same way. And I want that to encourage us. I want that to continue to, to just like propel us forward. So as we finish this message, I got a couple application points for you. And, and hopefully these just encourage you and, and continue just to, to in a sense, um, mature you in Christ. So the first one, the first application point is spend some time and look at the foundational call to follow Jesus. Spend some time looking at the Gospels, looking at Jesus' call to the disciples, his call to you and I. Right When he went to the disciples and he said to them, I will make you fishers of men if you follow me. Just really look at what that meant to the, the, the disciples. What did that mean to them? When he knocked Paul off of a, off of a donkey on the, on the road to Damascus, when he, when, he, when he called him to preach the gospel to the Gentiles, what did that mean? What were they expecting? What did Jesus say to them? Ultimately, if you do an honest look at it, you're going to see that the call to follow Jesus leads to death. It leads to death to self, denial to self. It leads to the cross. But see, you as a Christian, I as a Christian, have to come to that on our own. We have to pursue Jesus in, in that way, on our own. So that faith, that, that strength, that, that power that comes with following Jesus in that way is, is ours to own. The second one, you guys, examine your life and see if there are any areas that need holiness. Examine your life and see if there are any areas that need holiness. I kind of alluded to this earlier, but you, know, you look at your life, you look at areas that, that aren't pursuing holiness, that aren't set apart where if the world were to look at you or, or a non-Christian were to look at that area of your life, would they see any difference than the rest of the world? Would they see any difference? Would they see any resemblance of Jesus and the, the pursuit of holiness that he's placing on us and he's calling us to have? So do that. Like Be honest with yourself. Examine your life and see if there's any areas that need holiness. Number three, where in your life and, uh, are you conforming rather than transforming and being set free? So again, kind of examining your life, looking at your daily walk, the way that you live and interact with people, the sphere of influence God has placed you in. 
Where are you conforming to the world rather than letting the Holy Spirit transform you? Where are you, in a sense, in a sense, jipping yourself by not walking in freedom, but walking in that mold that the world says you have to walk in rather than the freedom of allowing the Spirit to transform you? And number four, last one, church, are you placing your trust in anything less than Jesus? Are you placing your trust in anything less than Jesus? Another look at yourself, being honest, it, where is Jesus on that, that priority list? Is he up there? Is he up top pursuing him and, and having a relationship with him and growing and maturing and giving him your life? Is he up there? Or what else is kind of above Jesus? What else is getting your time? What else is getting your energy? And even in a sense, what else is getting your worship rather than Jesus? Because anything else is actually less than Jesus. Again, anything else that you're putting instead of him, you're actually, in a sense, jipping yourself. You're actually paying for a, a cheaper product than Jesus. And so, church, this is a message that I hope continues to encourage you and grow you and mature you in Jesus. Thanks, church, for listening. And, you know, I just, I just really hope and pray that as we continue through this year, we would remember the resurrection of Jesus each and every day. We remember that we are growing and maturing as Christians each and every day. So, Father, we thank you, we praise you, we give you this time. Spirit, I pray that you would do the work as we end this message, as I go about other ministries, Jesus, it would be you and your spirit doing the work in the hearts and the minds of, 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 of the believers and the people that call Calvary home. We love you, we praise you. This is for your glory, Lord, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more teachings and information about Calvary Monterey, please visit calvary.com. You can also find books, teachings through the Bible, and articles from our lead pastor at nateholdridge.com. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next week.